Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. The Lord with us today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. The Apostle Paul writes here, Wherefore, remember. He starts off with that. I think that any time that we are commanded to remember something in the word of the Lord, we need to take extra special attention to that and commit it to our memories. He says, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from a covenant from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world scary place to be without God there is no hope if you don't have God you don't have any hope you may you may have days that are that are okay you may have things that come in your life that where you're able to be blessed uh, by a good job or, or decent health, but at the end of our life, if we don't have God, there is no hope. But now, everybody say, but now. In Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Mm. Aren't you glad that wall, that partition, that separation is no longer in existence today? Aren't you glad that you're able to come to an altar or kneel down by your bedside or to couch someplace or drive down the road in your car and be able to call on the name of Jesus knowing that you are one of his Amen. I don't know about you, but I get excited to know that I didn't belong here. I didn't belong in this place, but he grafted me in, and me, he made me a part of the greatest institution in the world. And I just want to preach to you the church, the church. God bless you. You may be seated today. Many different elite clubs that men and women desire to be associated with in this world. You know, even at the stage and the area that we live in today, you will see young children dressed up in football uniforms that don't know which way to run, which end of the field to, to run to. You'll see T-ballers out there with their little uniforms on that haven't hit a, a ball all year long, uh, don't know which way to run, which base to go to. You'll see them out there. But in their mind, if you would ask some of them, why they want to play that game or why they are out there doing those things instead of being at home playing with their friends, you will see a lot of them would come to you and say, well, I want to one day play professional baseball or I want to one day play professional football or professional hockey or whatever it may be, a professional golf. And, and so you may see people that go and try to join clubs in order to be a part of something that not everybody is able to be a part of. I remember my senior year. Now, I, I grew up in a very active neighborhood full of boys, and uh, we were always uh, wrestling, playing ball, doing all the pickup things that kids do that have uh, other boys their age in the neighborhood. And 
So I was always uh, kind of active, kind of athletic in my younger years. And even in grade school, I, my parents allowed me to uh, go out for track. They said, as long as you don't have to miss any church, as long as you don't have to compromise on, on our, our, uh, the way that we dress and what we feel is modest, you're, you're able to go and do that. And that was the rules uh, in our household, and I respected those, and that's the way it went. And so I began to, to try to do some things on, uh, in the track uh, uh, events. I became a pole vaulter and uh, uh, ran a lot of the relays, the short sprint re relays. I even uh, at one time went out for cross country back in the grade school days because every time after a track uh, cross country meet, uh, they would stop us at Dairy Queen or uh, McDonald's someplace, and I would be able to get out. And if you grew up in my household as Denny Rice, as your with Denny Rice as your father, you never got Dairy Queen and you never got McDonald's. So that was something that I was willing to go run a mile and a half for and able to go and have an ice cream or a hamburger from a place that I didn't get to go to very often. And so I would be a part of those sports, uh, sporting events, but I never played football. Even in high school, I pole vaulted. I ran, the, ran in a track, and I didn't play baseball, didn't play football. But my senior year, I decided, you know, that looks pretty cool. And so uh, I decided I was going to sign up for the football team. I had a few of my friends, my locker uh, mate, uh, he was one of the all-stars on the football team, and, and uh, a lot of the guys that were right around my little area right there, were, a lot of them were uh, the stars and the captains of, of, the, of the football team that year, and the football team had done fairly good, and it was my senior year, and I thought, well, I want to join in. I want to be a part of this, and I had never played anything but pickup games, and it got pretty rough, but it wasn't like playing on that kind of a level, and so uh, my coach, who was also my track coach, I think he understood that I belonged with a pole vaulting pole in my hand rather than a football under my arm. And, and I think that he set me up on that first day's practice because this is what happened. He didn't just, he didn't just put me with some third stringer that had no arm. He said, I want you to warm up our first string star quarterback's arm. I had no idea that you could be impaled with a football. I never will forget, Brother Jones, standing there thinking, come on, bring it on. You know, I've watched it. it look, it's far different when it's coming straight at you than when you're watching it fly across the football field. And before I could even get my hands together to grasp that pigskin, it hit me right in the stomach so hard that it knocked the wind out of me. Needless to say, I don't really even remember. Maybe I, maybe I passed out. I'm not sure, but I think that was my last attempt at high school football. I don't think I ever went back to another practice. I don't think I ever went to another game. I'm not sure if I've really ever found myself liking to play catch with the football, fearing that it might hit me in the stomach the way it did that day. But I wanted to be a part of that. And I, I, I do remember what it felt like to walk away kind of disheartened and feeling like I'm not going to be a part of that club. I'm not going to be a part of that team. I'm not going to be able to, to do anything. And this world is set up like that. All of us want to feel that, that inclusion. We want to feel like we're a part of something. And there's a lot of great things that you can become a part of. Even businesses and corporations, they like to be a part of certain, certain clubs that they get into the 
the corporation that I work for, I remember many, many years ago, finally wound up getting the ISO 9000 award, which puts them at the uh, uh, top-ranked list of companies to work for and that they're well-run, and it's just a, a mark of identification that is a very positive thing. And I can remember uh, FedEx coming and telling all of us, gathering us in for a meeting, and they hung the big banner up everywhere. We are ISO 9000 approved, and, and I had no idea what it meant. I'd never heard of it until they brought it to my attention. But I was glad that we were a part of that because it established us in a positive way. All these groups that the world has to offer, the world sets things out there, and some of us set our eyes on being a part of those things, and some of them are good and some of them are not so good. But what I want you to know today is there's a group of people that God has planted on this earth called the church, and there is nothing more important than being a part of his church. I'm telling you today that you're sitting in this place today uh, and feeling the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't take that for granted. Don't ever get so comfortable with that that you don't recognize what you have became, become a part of because to be a part of the church isn't just about a group of people standing up and applauding on this earth. The Bible says that when a sinner comes back to the Lord, that all the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen. You're not just setting the earth on its heels. You're setting heaven on its heels. And heaven rejoices when somebody comes to the Lord. High society may not recognize it as much. You may never find this church or any other church for that matter on Forbes magazine in an article in one of their periodicals, but I guarantee you, if hell has a daily newspaper, if there's a daily radio broadcast that goes out from hell for all the demons to listen to, that the church makes front-page news every single time. The church has the power to go against hell. Oh, man, the church has the power to prevail against hell. The church is the most powerful weapon in God's arsenal on this planet. See the front page news of hell. Hell suffers another attack. Another gate's been knocked over. Another gate wasn't able to prevail the advancement of the church today. This church was not made. It was not born to sit back in a corner somewhere on its laurels and do nothing. This church is not even meant to just be a defensive church. But God has called us to move forward, to advance, to go forward, and to prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to be a part of his glorious church. Earth, when the church begins to move, hell begins to shake. I love this scripture that James wrote. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Hey, I believe in that one God, but I don't tremble at his name. I all, I'm in awe of his name. I reverence his name, but the reason I don't have to fear his name is because I am on his side and he is on my side. Every devil, every demon must tremble at the name of Jesus. Don't forget that that name has been applied to your life and you have power and authority as part of his church. 
not left powerless to lie down and die when the enemy comes swarming in to tear down what God has built. And you look around you today, maybe there's some of you that don't realize where this church came from, how close this church was to being dissolved. Amen. There was a time many, many years ago when there were just two ladies and no pastor that was here, but somebody stepped up and said, no, they're not going to close that church on my watch. And that man pastored two churches until this church could get another pastor. But you look around you today and you'll see a church that is thriving. You'll see a church that is on the move. You'll see a church that has and knows its identity in Jesus Christ. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Thou art Peter and upon this rock. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Paul's on a missionary trip to Ephesus at this particular time of our text reading today. Ephesus was a prime example of the power of the church prevailing over traditions and over idolatry. I'll give you just a little bit of history about this, this town, Ephesus. It was a city that sat on the slopes between two hills uh, in Asia, and the view of this city uh, that it overlooked was beautiful, and its location was one that was both accessible by land and by sea. So it was a busy, it was a busy place. As a matter of fact, it was kind of known, uh, you could kind of relate it to St. Louis as being the gateway to the west. You cross over the bridge and you pass that arch and you talk about the history of St. Louis as being, okay, now you're entering the west. Ephesus was kind of that that thing, that same thing. It was a city that was known to be kind of the, the hub of that area, and it was the gateway to the west in the Asian area of the world. It was also a place where you could bring whatever ideas that you had and be heard. You could toss around political views. You could tell somebody how to start a new business. You might even stand there and and so many did try to bring a new religious point of view. Many did. Many tried. Many brought new religions into that area. But none of them were established. In the city of Ephesus, there was this beautiful temple. been erected to worship the goddess Diana. But the temple was also a banking institution of sorts. And people would bring their valuables to the temple for safekeeping. You could bring whatever you had, and if you had no place to hide it or store it, or you didn't feel comfortable keeping it at home, you could take it to this temple, and they would hang on to it for you, protect it for you, and, and your valuables would be kept safely in that temple. And there, while they were there, they would worship a god, but it was not a god that could hear their prayers. It was not a God that could meet their needs. It was not even a God that, that could uh, heal their problems, but it was a God that was without ears, without eyes, without power. Ephesus was a place where you could gather together and get the latest news, see the latest things. So many that had come and not been able to establish a new religion beyond Diana. 
they had come and they had failed and they had walked away with no success. But here comes Paul walking through the gates one day. You know, there's everybody's got a point of view. Everybody has an idea about, you know, uh, well, I think, you know, this is what, I, I, I think that if you just do this or I think, you know, a, anybody can have a, a, a point of view as far as religion goes. Anybody can. And, and, but Paul walks through with something more than just a point of view. Paul walks through with something just more than just a religious philosophy. He walks through with an experience. See, there's a lot of things that we can that we can talk about. There's a lot of things that we might be able to debate. But when you have an experience and you are walking in an anointing, there is something different about what comes out of your mouth. There's something that rings with clarity. God uses that power of that anointing in your life to reach somebody who is hungry. And so Paul walks through the gates. He begins to preach Jesus. And things begin to happen. People begin uh, to see Jesus and, and what he was and who he was. And there was anointing that went wherever Paul went that made the difference when Paul spoke. That when other people spoke, nothing was felt. But when Paul spoke, people listened. Two years in Ephesus preaching and teaching the word of God to a city. It was wrapped up in idolatry refuting the worship of Diana and converting many to Jesus Christ. Here's the beautiful part. It didn't just affect the locals. Because of the type of city that Ephesus was, it drew in a lot of outsiders. People came from all over the surrounding areas to do business in Ephesus, to, to think, to, to learn, to go to school. All these things brought people into this city. and so. Paul would teach and he would preach and he would talk to them about how Diana was nothing more than just a, an idol worship, but, but how Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and was the Son of God and he was able to save them from their sins and people began to listen to that and while everybody else walked away and everybody else uh, uh, was not affected, Paul begins to preach Jesus and those that were there visiting began to receive Jesus. And when they received Jesus, they left Ephesus and they went back home. So this revival that began in Ephesus was not just effective in Ephesus. It was affecting all the community around Ephesus. It wasn't long before the whole of Asia Minor was influenced by Paul's preaching. If you do a little history research, you'll see where it had such a great effect that the worship of Diana began to dwindle off until finally in, six, in 262 A.D., the temple burned down, and they didn't even bother to rebuild it. What a sad state of affair if, if you were a god that was being worshipped and nobody even cared enough to rebuild the temple they worshipped you in. But Diana doesn't know that because she's not a God. Jesus Christ is God. And Paul preached Jesus. Diana was dead, but Paul said Jesus is alive. <laughs> 
And that, my friend, makes all the difference. We don't worship a God. This church does not build its foundational principles upon a God that does not breathe and does not hear and does not see and has no power. But this church is established upon the rock Christ Jesus. And he said, upon that rock, I'm going to build this church. This church is being built. It's being built up. It's being formed and framed and filled with people that want to be a part of the church. And here's the awesome news. Nobody can keep you out. If you want in this group, God says it's for whomsoever will. If you want to be a part of the church, don't you let anybody tell you or anything stop you from being a part of the greatest institution this side of heaven. Amen. Because God said the doors are open. The partition has been removed. And those of you who once were not welcome, who were not a part, now can boldly enter in. Do you understand today we have authority to walk into the very presence of the Holy of Holies? There was no denying Paul's anointing. There's no denying the anointing of the modern church. It's a very real thing. And it's still the anointing that can change the heart of a person that is wrapped up worshiping something other than the one true and living God. This is the calling of the church. God wants us to proclaim the message. God wants us to reach out to the lost. You have a job to do. Paul wrote to the Ephesians that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God the world. It's an uncomfortable thing to walk into a room and you be the only stranger in that room. I never will forget, and I think I told this story not too long ago, so forgive me if I did. I can't really remember. I told it to somebody. I don't know if it was the church or just somebody that I came in contact with, but I never will forget. It was many, many years ago before we had children, and my wife's father, he loves to drive, and so he decided after church on Sunday that he was going to take us to this restaurant that him and my mother-in-law had found, and it was about a two-hour drive away, and so we hopped in. My wife, her three siblings, and myself, I was the only one that was part of the family back at the time. We all got into their vehicle, and away we went, drove and drove and drove and drove and drove to this little place. Anybody know where Calhoun County is at? Okay, all right. It's a different world over there. You do not feel, I, I don't know, it, it, it's, a different, it's a different world. Those, those people are all really nice and really cool. But we went into this little, this little restaurant dressed in our Sunday best, and we Walked through there, and there were people sitting there in their, their overalls and their farm farm clothes. And don't you think we didn't make a scene? We the, who's these strangers? I, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm glad the food was good because the welcoming committee wasn't. I didn't I didn't like the way I felt until I, I started decided to have a little fun with it. We were walking through, and we had to weave our way through that place, and they put us in a back room probably for our own safety and uh, put us way back there by ourselves, and that was a smart thing for them to do because we tend to get kind of 
a little bit loud and a little bit noisy, and we're having fun and eating and fellowshipping. And so they put us back there, and we're walking through the crowd. And finally, after a little while, I'd had enough. I started saying, hi, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? You know, nice to see you. And I just began to greet greet different ones, and they just put their head back down. They didn't even say anything back. They just put their head down and began going back to their eating, but it got their attention off of us. It feels weird when you walk in and you're a stranger. Try to go into the temple 2,500 years ago. As a Gentile, you would have not been accepted. You would have been looked at as a stranger. But there came a time, it was a beautiful, miraculous time when Jesus said, it is finished. A lot of things changed. The dead got up out of their graves and began to walk around. Amen. The sky turned dark and the stone uh, rolled away a few days later ago. But one thing that happened in that temple, there was a separation of a curtain. There was a partition that did not allow you or me to go in and have an audience with the king of kings. But when Jesus said, it is finished, he opened up that partition and he said, you may boldly come before me and I will receive you and I will fill you with my spirit. Used to be a stranger from the covenants of promise. I used to be that guy with no hope. I used to be that man without God. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far away. Hey, I've drawn nigh. I don't have to holler from a distance. I don't have to take my petition to somebody who takes it to somebody else. He says, I've drawn you. I've made it available for you to get as close to me as you want to be. I've drawn you in close. Why? Because that's what a husband does with a bride. You have become the bride of Christ. The church is not just some institution. We don't just gather together to show off our new tie or our new suit or our new set of clothing. No, we come with something supernatural in mind. We come to bring the power of the Holy Ghost into a place so that people that don't know God and are never going to be accepted can feel the acceptance from Jesus Christ. Mm. Where music come today. So many of us can relate to this background of Scripture. Many of you can possibly remember how it felt. I say that because I can remember vividly how it felt to lay down at night knowing that if God came back, I would be lost. Knowing that I was not a part of the church, knowing that I was not ready to meet Jesus Christ should he call me. How far it seemed, that gap between me and God, How far it seemed from that back pew where my knuckles were turning white, hanging on to the top of it, trying to keep myself in place, wanting to have what I saw others have, 
how far away it felt, but it was it was only a step away. It wasn't far at all because the moment, the moment that you begin your journey towards God, he will bring you nigh. Remember the scripture that I used just not too long ago about the unnecessary miracle about Peter hopped out of the ship and Jesus has to reach down and pick him up. Oh, ye of little faith. They walk back to the ship, but the Bible says that immediately the ship was at the shore. Jesus met it halfway. He came and met it halfway, but once he was in the ship, they were immediately on the other side. Would you stand with me today? Life has a way of leaving us with hurts and pains, and that goes for both the churched and the unchurched. The difference is the church have a place to run to. The church have a fr- has a friend in Jesus who's everything to them. But the one without God just struggles day in and day out trying to find something that will mask the pain, something that can drown the agonizing nights. Your answer cannot be found in this world from anything from this world. But your answer for the pain, the loneliness, the suffering, the tragic event in your life, can all be diminished with one step in the right direction. I wonder if they'd begin to sing. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.